Thank you for listening to Simple Church, where we love God, love others, and serve our world. Tune in today for a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Tom Allen. Well, good morning, underdogs. Good to see you. The <laughs> reason I say that, I don't mean that to uh, be improper, but uh, we're all underdogs in many ways. Have you noticed that almost every story that we really love or every film that we love has the whole concept of people being an underdog. You think of Rocky, you think of Karate Kid, you think of Braveheart, you know, you think of um, Rudy, you think of the Passion of the Christ. There was an underdog, guy on a cross, dying and being buried. It's an interesting thing uh, that, that we kind of love to hear stories of underdogs. And I think it's because we identify with them and we want to become top dogs. And in most of those stories, it ends up the underdog becomes the top dog, you know? Let me give you a definition of underdog. It's a competitor who is thought to have little chance of winning a fight or a contest. So today we're gonna see three men who were definitely underdogs but who came out as top dogs, but boy, did they have to stand for their convictions. Because you see, there are times in our lives where we are tempted, because we feel like underdogs, to yield to what people want, to perform the way people want, to obey people instead of even obeying God. And that leads to a life of compromise. The three men that we're studying today are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they are men who, in the face of the greatest threat, decided not to compromise, but to stand for what they believed. And God's looking for people like that. Let me give you some historical reference to it. Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon, and he had fought against Judah and he had defeated them. So he told his soldiers, what I want you to do, now that we've defeated Judah, I want you to look for the very best, the most handsome, the most articulate, the smartest, the best educated young boys and men, those who are of honorable birth, those who have the brightest futures, I want you to find them, and I want you to collect them and bring them to Babylon. And what we will do is we will teach them our ways... We will give them great experiences. We will train them in the way that we want them to be trained. We will give them the best food, and we will teach them to worship our gods. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were part of that great group of young boys and men that were brought to Babylon to be trained in the ways of Babylon. They stood strong in the face of unbelievable opposition. And the reason they could stand strong is our theme verse for this series. And it's a verse that you and I need to claim every day because every day we're going to be tempted not to stand strong in some way or another. And that is found over in 2 Timothy 1.7. It says, God has not... And I hope we'll claim this. I mean, this week I've been dealing with all kinds of people who have all kinds of fears, and all of them are professing to be believers in Christ, and they're just dealing with all kinds of fears and worries. And here's what 2 Timothy tells us. God has not given his children, those who believe in him, us, 
a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and of love and of self-discipline, self-control. That needs to be kind of a verse that we memorize and claim all the time. God, you haven't given us a a spirit of fear or, or of kind of patheticness. We are strong because you've given us a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. So these three men had that kind of spirit on them, and they were able to put their lives on the line. I want to tell you the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and we find over in Daniel, we start in chapter 3 and verse 1 and then verses 4 through 6. Notice what it says. King Nebuchadnezzar, now, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were all in Babylon. They were being trained in the ways of Babylon. And the king got an idea. He said, I'm going to make a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. Nine stories high, 9 feet wide. You know, I, I look at that and I kind of think he's trying to compensate for something. Okay? <laughs> but anyway, that aside. So he made this tall statue, and he set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Okay? Then a herald, he had this guy go out and shout to all the people. He shouted out, people of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn and the flute and the zither and the lyre and the harp and the pipes and other musical instruments... I want you to bow down to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. And anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Now, here's these three guys from Judah. And they were believers in God, Jehovah God. And they were in this foreign land being trained in the ways of this foreign land. And all of a sudden, the king says, you have to bow down and worship a false god, an idol. Now, these guys were in their late teens or early 20s. They were young men. And, and, and they had dreams. They had desires. They had plans for their life. They had things they wanted to do. And all of a sudden, they were faced with this hard choice. Just bow down once. That's all. Just once. And, and you'll be spared. But if you don't bow down, it's game over. You're going to go into the fire. Now, what would you do? <laughs> what would I do? I mean, here's the fire over there, the big fire pit place. And here you are. And if you don't bow down before this obnoxious idol, this heathen Idol, you're going to go in there. And you know what? In my humanity, I was thinking about it this week, I, I think I could have almost rationalized a reason to bow down once, couldn't you? you know, it just once. You know, just one time. Come on. What can that hurt? But you see, the problem with bowing down once is that it becomes a little easier to bow down the second time. And then it becomes even easier to bow down the third time, and on, and on, and on, until we are living a life of compromise. See, if we aren't careful in our daily lives, that's the way all kinds of stuff that is ungodly gets a hold of our lives. Well, well I'll just, I'll just, just once, 
One time, that's all, no more. But once you break that thing, when you know something isn't of God, but you do it anyway, then it becomes a little easier to do it the next time. That's what leads to addictions. That's what leads to all kinds of problems in our lives. So what do we do when our lives are tested by fire? Those three men were standing there, and they were being tested by fire. Do I bow, or do I go in the furnace? I've been to Babylon. I've seen the magnificence of that place in southern Iraq. And uh, this was quite a place. Had all kinds of power. It was the most powerful place on the earth at one time. And it was beautiful. Had some wonders of the world in it. And that was all part of what they were a part of. And they had that all waiting for them with the best that Babylon could give them. They just had to one time disobey God who said, you will never have any graven image before you. What do they do? Well, they give us three lessons that they teach us today. The first one is this. And you're going to have to kind of stick with these titles because I wanted them the way they are because they, they say what we've got to hear, but you've got to understand them. The first thing is we obey God's commands instead of man's expectations. Now, here's our problem. Most of us, especially as Christians, we want to please people. We want to be accepted by people. I think human beings want that. And if we aren't careful in our effort to please people and to have everyone like us and to have people look at us and say, man, there's a great person, we'll live up to their expectations. We'll start performing the way they want us to perform, and often that can take us away from the way God wants us to live our lives. Notice what happened with Daniel. With, in, in Daniel with uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel chapter 3, verses 15 through 16. Nebuchadnezzar is talking here, the king. And he says, I will give you one more chance. The guys had said no, evidently. And he said he liked them an awful lot. And, 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 and he said, I'm going to give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made and when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And, and I want you to see the arrogance of King Nebuchadnezzar here. He says, and then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? In other words, <laughs> whatever God you're going to claim, I'm stronger I got more power. What God can rescue you from my power? And I, I just love what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. In other words, they had already made up their mind. Even before he told them what they had to do, they'd already made up their mind. And, and long before the fire was ever started... Their commitment was this, we will obey God and not man. So King, you know, go ahead and say whatever you want to say. We don't have to defend ourselves before you. You know our commitment. We're going to obey Jehovah God Almighty rather than any human being. Now here's a key statement. A faith that is tested by fire, and we stand true, is a faith that can be trusted. 
And so the question that I think we need to ask ourselves before we go any further is this. Can the faith that you and I have handle the fire? Because you see, if a faith is willing to go into the fire and stay true, then it is a faith that you can trust. Do you and I have that kind of faith? I've thought in my more sadistic moments of uh, what would happen in my life if, and, and, and yours, if the Chinese were to come over and take over our country. I want you to know the Chinese have killed millions of Christians over the decades because of their faith. And what if they were to take us and line us up against that wall and say, if you do not deny Jesus Christ, we're going to execute you. What would you and I do? Because you see, that's fire. Firing squad. <laughs> that's fire. You're being tested by fire. Now what am I going to do? Would I stand for Jesus and say, no, I believe Jesus is my Savior and about that time enter into eternity? Or would you say, just this one time, you know, no, I don't believe in him. Just one time. That's what they were facing. Exactly. Well, this, the first thing then is obey God's command instead of man's expectations. The second thing they teach us is this. Believe God's truth instead of the facts. Now, that sounds kind of silly, but boy, is that important. See, the Bible teaches us we're to believe the word of God rather than the facts. And, and that's our big problem because the facts are what we see. You know, oh my goodness, I see this. But you see, what God wants us to realize is it's not what we see, but it's what God has said that's important. And so this week, uh, I've had people, uh, oh my goodness, our 29-year-old son has died, and I had his funeral on Friday and I understand their loss. I understand the hurt. Because they see their son dead. And they don't want that. But I want you to know we have a God who says, because I live, you too shall live. And that's where we found hope Friday. Because not because of the facts, because that young man was dead. But he's alive with Jesus Christ according to the word of God. And so often we live our lives and we say, oh, my problems are just so big. And we just moan and groan and, and complain. You know why? Because we're looking here. We're not looking to God. And that becomes a big part of our problem in standing strong for the Lord. He wants us to be people who believe his truth and not what we see, but what he says is what's important. So the third thing is this. We believe God. We don't just believe in God. Now stick with me on this. Okay? We believe God. We don't just believe in God. There's a huge difference between believing in God. See, that's that head knowledge that we get when we go to Sunday school or catechism or confirmation. We get all these facts up here, and people say, do you believe in God? Yeah, I believe in God. 
I believe in God. I got all these facts. I got all this knowledge. I got all this understanding. Yeah, I believe in God. But do you believe God when the fire is right in front of you? Do you believe God is who he says he is? Do you believe God and trust him and rely on him? Because that's faith in action. And so many of us as Christians, we know all the stuff about the Bible, but we don't live as if the Bible is true. Because we believe in God, but we don't believe God is who he says he is, and he'll do what he says he'll do, and, and, and he is the one who can make all things right. These young men didn't leave to ple- live to please people's expectations. And these young men were ones who obeyed God instead of man. And they believed God's truth instead of the facts. The fact was there's fire, but the truth is God's going to take care of us. One way or the other, he's going to take care of us. Because we believe in, in not, we don't just believe in God, we believe God is who he says he is. And he'll do what he says he will do. They had a faith in action faith. They believed God enough to put it all on the line. So let me show you what happened. Verse 17, Daniel chapter 3. They said to Nebuchadnezzar, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power. In other words, God is able, and we believe he will do what he says he will do. Then verse 18, and this is faith on steroids. This is their faith, man. They had, they believed God. Watch it. But even if he doesn't, you're going to throw us in the fire? Fine. He's going to save us. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty. Now watch. They respected him as the authority, but they said, we also want you to know we're not living our lives to please you. We're living our lives to please God. So we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. And uh, King Nebuchadnezzar uh, said, okay, you've had it. So he said, I want you to heat that fire seven times hotter than it's ever been. And soldiers, I want you to tie these guys up, and I want you to throw them in the fire. And they did. And as they were throwing them in the fire, the soldiers were killed by the flames because it was so hot. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not killed. Let me read you the rest of the story. Daniel 3, 24 through 25. Suddenly, after they were thrown in the fire, Nebuchadnezzar was watching all of this, and he jumped up in amazement, and he exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty. We certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, look. I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. You see, it was neither an angel or it was Christ incarnate in there with them. When we're thrown into the fire, if we stand for our Lord, I want you to know he's right there by us. 
He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. There's nothing too hard for me to do. See, that's our faith of our God that enables us not to compromise, but to stand strong and firm in our obedience to our Lord. So watch the rest of it. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace, and he shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the, now watch, servants of the, what? Most high, capital G, God, okay? He was a little G God, you know? He could build a statue. But he said, servants of the most high God, you come out here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. And then the high officers and officials and governors and advisors crowded around them. And they saw that the fire had not touched them. And not a hair on their heads was singed. And their clothing was not scorched. I love this. They didn't even smell of smoke. And then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him, and they defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god, small g, except their own god, big g. And then Nebuchadnezzar said, there is no other god who can rescue like this. You see the glory God got because three men were willing to stand for their Lord and not compromise in the face of a fire. God's looking for people who will stand for him and not compromise no matter what the test might be. And because they were submissive to the king yet totally submitted to the Lord, Watch what happened. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. They obeyed God, and God just opened the doors wide open for them to bring glory and honor to him. Friend, a faith that is tested by fire is a faith that can be trusted. It's an I'll follow you, God, no matter what kind of faith, even through the fire.
So we have to ask ourselves, can my faith stand the test that's ahead? Can your faith and my faith stand ahead, the test? Let me just um, close by asking us just a few personal questions, okay? Can my faith, can your faith stand the test of an unanswered prayer? I remember my mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and I prayed for seven years that God would bring healing to her. There were at least a 1,000 people from our home church, a big church in Hammond, Indiana, praying for her for years. She was a textbook case of Alzheimer's from start to finish, and she went to be with her Lord. 
Can our faith test, can it stand when it's tested by unanswered prayer? Can my faith handle personal loss? Maybe the loss of possessions? Uh, you know, I was thinking of the people right now that we need to be praying for in the southern part of our country who are experiencing loss of possessions. Can we stand that? Loss of personal health? I've had the privilege of being so healthy all my life, and someday I'll lose that. Can I stand that? Loss of the friendship of someone you love? Loss of your job or your career? A loss of parenthood because you could not conceive, or a loss of parenthood because a child died before he or she was born. A loss of a child to rebellion. Uh, the loss of loved ones who have died and gone on and you miss them so much. Can our faith stand strong in light of the tests that this world and life, and sometimes it seems like almost hell itself, can throw at us? Can our faith stand strong? Well, I want you to know your faith can stand strong when your trust is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is really where we get our strength because we don't look at what we see because that will defeat us every time. But we look at our God and who he did, who he gave for us through uh, the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we say, God, I will not compromise my faith. No matter what test may come, you are my God and you are my life and I live for you. And if need be, I die for you because I will not compromise. Three men in the Old Testament set that example for us. My prayer is that we'll live it out this week. If you're here today and down deep in your heart, you've never come to a point where you've asked Jesus Christ to come into your life and be the forgiver of your sin and the leader of your life, I just want you to know he's ready. He's ready. He's looking for any man or any woman who is willing to say, I am a sinner and I acknowledge it and I'm sorry for my sinfulness. And I want to turn from that sin. I believe you died and paid the penalty for my sin, Christ. So I ask you to come into my life and forgive me of my sin and then live your life out through my life. Help me never compromise. Help me stand for you. God says, man, when I find people like that, there's no limit what I can do through their lives. So, Lord, we pray that we will be those kind of people. God, help us to recognize that this world offers us nothing that's lasting or eternal. And therefore, it offers us nothing that is worth our lives. You alone are worthy of our lives. You alone are the one that we trust in because this world and all of its people and things will fail us somewhere along the line. But you never fail if our faith and trust is in you. So make us a people who are strong and not timid. People who are, are mighty and not weak because our trust and our faith and our confidence is in you. So that when the fires come and heated even sometimes seven times hotter, 
may we be willing to walk right into them rather than compromise because we know you're going to be right in that fire with us and you're going to bring us out of it exactly the way you want us to come so we love you we yield now to you and we thank you for your love for us and for your word to us thank you that you're there with us in the fire we love you in Jesus name Amen Thank you for listening if you're new or want to know more about our Simple Church family you can visit us online at simple.church or by downloading our simple.church app